Welcome to Modern Marketing Messages, the leading podcast discussing the latest and greatest in both online and offline marketing tactics, strategies, and trends. I'm your host, Taylor Karg, marketing content writer at AmericanEagle.com. This episode is part two of the importance of auditing your analytics. Last episode, we discussed the three main components of a data quality audit, which include compliance, accuracy, and conversion tracking. Today, we're going to discuss three actions you should take after your data quality audit is complete, as well as what the risks and rewards of those actions are. I'm once again joined by Simon Mandel, digital strategist at AmericanEagle.com, and Charles Rowe, data and analytics strategist at AmericanEagle.com. Simon, Charles, thanks for joining me once again, virtually, but still. It's great to see you again. Yeah, great to be here talking with you guys. So I think we should just jump right into today's topic. And I want to start by talking about what happens once you're done with the data quality audit process and you want to move forward with that data. How do you get to those next steps? What is that bridge? Yeah, let's jump into it. So you've done the audit. You've gone through the journey that we talked about last time. You've now landed in a place where you feel that Your data is accurate and you validated that and you're ready to get in there and figure out what's going on and get some insights. So the first thing you got to do is you got to, well, you got to extract it, right? This is the step one in the process that you talked about a second ago. You got to extract it, which is really just another way of saying, like, I got to go get it. Like, I got to get it out of the analytics platform and I got to get it into my plate so I can start working with it. And there's really three different ways to do that that are that people commonly go to extract data, their analytics data. And the first one is right out of the analytics platform, right? So if you go into Google Analytics or likely any other kind of analytics platform and you pull up a report, maybe a report on sessions by device, In every single one of these reports, you're likely going to find an export button, right? And you can just simply use that to get a good table of data that you can pull out of there and potentially put into a report or work into a spreadsheet. The next most common thing that people do to get data out of analytics is they might use an API. People who are a little bit more technologically savvy understand these kinds of API communications. They can set up a connector and that way they can pull the specific metrics that they're looking for when they want to see it uh, on a schedule. Do you want to explain a little bit about what an API is for us uh, marketers who don't really know much about that? Yeah, an API is really just kind of think about it as like a digital phone call right? It's just a digital phone call where one system is talking to another system and the first system is saying like, hey, it's Tuesday. I want to get Monday's data. This is the metrics I want. These are the values and the filters and the segments I'm looking for. Please pass that over to me and land it in my spreadsheet right here. So an API just facilitates that computer to computer phone call. And then, and then the last- Like a bridge- um, where you need to ferry data back and forth over the river. You send a car on over one side of the bridge, tell it, hey, data A, B, and C point, get on into the car, and then you bring the data back on over to yourself. Awesome. Thanks, Charles, for always explaining it in uh, non-technical terms for me to understand. <laughs> and then, so the third version of getting at the data, of extracting it, 
would be using a visualization tool. And this is this is our preferred method of using it over here. We use visualization tools that plug in directly into the analytic sets that we're looking at. They come with all these great robust features that allow you to create charts and graphs and that really help with the next step that we're gonna talk about, the modeling step. But yeah, those are the three main extraction methods we're talking about. You can either go right into the platform and export a table, right out of any kind of uh, preset page that's in analytics you can connect to directly into the data set using an api if this is something you're comfortable with or there's a number of different visualization tools that will plug directly into analytics that allow you to create great bar graphs pie graphs and lots of other great things for your modeling step of data and like Simon was saying, that last method is definitely the one that makes the most amount of sense for the vast majority of people. They've got pre-built connectors. It's not nearly as much manual work that you have to do with manipulating the data, et cetera, et cetera. There are different ways in which it is that you can slice and dice the data within the actual tools themselves, things like that. And so as Simon was saying, it's the preferred method. And beyond that, I would also add maybe to it that it's the cleanest method to be able to, to see that data. Yeah, agreed. So with extraction, what kinds of risks and or rewards are there? Can you guys think of any? Well, I think Charles kind of touched on something right there, extraction errors, right, that are introduced into a process if it's done manually, right? So if you're extracting tables of data directly out of a portal and then you are manipulating them in a spreadsheet, there's a chance for human error. So you're generally not going to want to set up like complicated manual processes to extract data as much as possible you're going to want to automate these things which is why you know an api or an api driven visualization tool is probably as charles was indicating is best option and one of the nice things as well about using the business visualization tools that we're talking about, which is oftentimes Google Data Studio can also be Power BI and Tableau, is that those connections are consistently refreshed for you. Um, so you're less concerned about whether it is that the data is stuck in a period of time. In other words, rather than it being a snapshot, it's more like a video feed where you can feel like what you're looking at is live. Awesome. Yeah, when we talk about manual errors on this, I'm like, well, if I ever had to do numbers like that on a spreadsheet, there would definitely be a manual error. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to modeling, can we, Simon and Charles, can you guys explain all about data modeling and what that means in terms of this process? Yeah, so the modeling is actually very closely related to the development of the measurement strategy. And what that means is just making sure that the data that you're looking at is closely connected to the business objectives. And that means that the KPI, what we're measuring somehow is affecting and driving the most critical things that the website needs to do for the business. So last time we have our joke, which is like, there's only two reasons to have a website. The first one is to have a positive revenue impact on the business. And the second reason doesn't even matter. And so this is actually where we get to that. What are the things that are going on that have a positive revenue impact? And so you know, if it's lead generation, we're going to look for form submissions. We're going to look for contact page views. We're going to look for questions, any, you know, maybe chat interactions. If we're an e-commerce site, we're going to look, of course, at transactions. 
and then going up the cart, we might look at cart ads or upsells. We might look at product views and these kinds of things. So the modeling is just about identifying what's most important to surface in the data that's going to drive that decision making. So one way to think about this and would be as a sculpting effort, right? So the modeling is kind of a sculpting. We're going to get a lot of data in our extraction processes. And what we need to do is carve away the pieces that are a distraction from what we really want to focus on. We want to, such that at the end of this modeling process, we have something that we can put in front of somebody that stands as much as it can stand on its own, that communicates clearly as much as it can on its own. And so that's a way to understand the modeling process. Yeah, you can think of it as Simon alluded to with the data measurement strategy. If we come back to our paint by numbers analogy that we were looking at, it's that how is it that this slice is carved out for this picture or this slice carved out for the picture? Which paints is it that we pick and which colors is it that we pick to be able to color everything in so that at some point in time, you start to see this really nice picture of everything it is that's going on especially as I'm circling my face right now for all of our visual listeners. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And the other thing that goes on here in this modeling process is where we begin to do things like filtering and segmentation. This is where it's described in the sculpting process, cutting away filter, right? It's something you'll apply to your data to isolate just a specific behavior or criteria. Right. So a filter might be let's just take a look at our mobile users, people who visit our site via our mobile handset. Or let's just take a look at people who are coming to us via search engine traffic. And that would be a filter. And then segmentation might be something where we take a look at how we can categorize the traffic based on these different signals and indicators. Let's say we want to take a look at segmenting traffic based off of their point of entry. So we'll see, hey, how do people who come in on the homepage do versus people who come in on the blog page? And where are we seeing differences in behavior? That's something we can only understand if we execute segmentation in our modeling step of this process. Awesome. So is there a typical workflow on data modeling? And can you describe what that is? Well, I think it's some of the things that we touched on. It's about A, starting with the business objective, identifying what's critical there, taking a look at the data that's available and surfacing those metrics, those dimensions and metrics, those KPIs that then connect back to that business objective. And then how I like to think about things is I like to think about, I like to work at the top of the pyramid and then go down. And what that means is like, what's the summary of the number, right? So if it's sessions, right, then I'll try and say for this time period, this is our scorecard. It was this number. And then below that, I'll then try and provide some context on that number. Hey, these are the different segments that make up the number. And then below that, I might have a lot of detail on those segments. So just a way to think about starting at the center and then working out to provide more and more context with the data modeling. And can we think of any risks and rewards of data modeling? It seems like there could be a lot of rewards during this process. I mean, that's what it is that allows you to, um, as we come back to this paint the picture analogy, the reward is what it is that you get at the end of the day. Do you have something that is visual that allows you to 
see something that in our opinion is beautiful. Maybe some beauty is in the eye of the beholder in this particular case, but see something that's beautiful, but something that you can actually use that not only is the picture, but become a roadmap as you're trying to take a look at how to allocate your marketing budget. Where is it that some of these dollars should be going? Well, this picture will allow you to see what's going on with your website, see what your clients are doing when they come to visit it, and will allow you to start making some determinations about what it is that's working really well. Yeah, I agree. I think to keep it to single word answers, the reward is insight and the risk is confusion. The risk is confusion. If you model things without a clear understanding of what the business objective is, right, then you begin to surface data points that aren't important and you begin to have discussions or go down a rabbit hole of thought that ultimately will not lead to action that's going to improve the business, that's going to make sure that this website is doing for the business what it is supposed to do. So what is the reward? The reward is insight. It's something to communicate that says, hey, if we can make this material change, our business will grow, our business metrics will improve, versus there's so much here, I don't understand, I don't know what to do, I don't know what the priority is, and ultimately you find yourself in some kind of paralysis. So that's the risk. Yeah, and I like how you said the reward is just insight, and I think you know gaining that insight from what you both just said, that helps get you know stakeholder buy-in on what you should be doing and how you should be allocating that marketing budget. I think that's exactly that's another great way to put it. Thank you. Moving on to the last of our three processes, syndication. What does this mean? Yeah, that's about bridging the gap. For the people who are numbers, people who are looking at the numbers, they like to dive deep into it. Um, they like to get into the nitty-gritty, et cetera, et cetera. You eventually have to be able to take meaning from those numbers and be able to crystallize that into a couple of different ideas where the person who is making some decisions can then utilize those relatively nice summaries to guide the business and make those business decisions. And so the syndication is, to some extent, there's a little bit of artwork that's involved with it. It's the ability to visualize things in such a way that allows someone to have the core pieces of information for them to be able to make a decision. Yeah, I think that's right. I think this is the syndication, in a sense, is the narrative. It's the performance. Data, right, doesn't move the world by itself. People do, right? People empowered with data do. And that's what the syndication step is all about. If getting to the risk and rewards of this, right? So the rewards are being able to clearly communicate without distraction the importance of the data that's been analyzed and the insights that have been extracted. And the risks are similar to the previous one is that uh, just more confusion and priorities are lost and there's clarity is clouded. So what does that mean? That just means that syndication of this data that's been extracted and modeled is really about crafting an encounter, right? It's about making sure that now that we have the message, that it's put into the right context and that it's presented in a way without distraction, that your message that you've put together in this, which is we need to move on this or this needs to change, can be heard, 
Its importance can be highlighted. It's as you're continuing to highlight in this conversation, the risk and rewards of action or inaction are communicated and then it's left there or and then leadership and decision makers and stakeholders know what to do with it. But I think it's about crafting that encounter to provide the right context. And and that just is a, a very fancy way of saying like, hey, make sure your audience is ready to pay attention to this. You know, don't don't try and communicate important things while you're on a roller coaster ride. You know, do it at a time where people can focus and make sure that you've provided the right context. And this means that you've got to provide something. You've got to provide a characterization of something in comparison with something else. If I tell you that today's number is seven, that doesn't mean anything or doesn't mean as much unless I tell you that yesterday's number was five. Right now we have a comparison and we can see a trend. And these are the critical things that I would say are important when you're crafting your encounter, when you are syndicating this extracted and modeled data. Now, if we come back to our painting analogy, one of the ways in which you can think about it is, okay, first of all, you've got to have a good painting. (laughs) You better be telling a really good story that's associated with it. But if you're going to actually present that painting to somebody, There has to be the right kind of lighting that's associated with it. If you've got all the lights that are turned off in your room and you're trying to show somebody a painting, well, they can't really exactly see it. So you've got to have some things turned on correctly. And if you're really wanting to highlight what it is that you have, you want to have a nice frame that's associated with it. You want to be able to then also sit in front of the painting and maybe have someone briefly say, here are some of the things that the artist was going through as they were creating this and crafting it. You want to tell the narrative. You want to tell the story that's associated with it so that somebody can get even broader context for what it is that they are looking at. Yeah, you both make a great point. And when you were both talking about comparing and needing those numbers to compare it to, I was thinking about you know how that works on my team on the marketing team. And a lot of the times when we're writing up case studies or writing up projects on recent websites that just launched, when we ask for data, we're like, okay, well, we need to figure out a time period where we can compare apples to apples, not apples to oranges. Because it's like what Simon was saying, you could have for yesterday's data, you get a seven. But unless you knew that the day before that was five, it means nothing. That's exactly right. And I think so that's why it's important to always use time or some comparative segment in a comparison. Right. So an easy comparison is the one that you and I just surfaced there was like a time period comparison. We have a number and then a similar time period and we set up comparison. Another way to do this is based off of before we were talking about segmentation. That's another great way to do this. So if I tell you the number is seven for desktop, But if I tell you the number is 10 for mobile, right, that's another thing that helps us provide context and helps us understand what may or may not be triggering or signaling what it is we need to focus in on the data. Do you guys, I guess, have on your team any examples of the tools that you use to syndicate the data? For us, it's commonly because Google Analytics is very ubiquitous out there today. The tools that we use to extract are the exact same ones that we use to to go through all these steps. And for us, it's any one of 
a number of different flavors that come from an, a number of different providers. We use Google's tool a lot because that works very well with some of their systems. But depending on you know who we're working with and client needs, we can very easily branch out into something similar that just works for a different database or a different data set. But it really comes down to they all do a different version of the same kind of thing, which is understand the table of data and then manipulate it as per your directions and your your needs. Got it. So I have one last question for you both. How do you guys feel about Google Analytics' newest update, Google Analytics 4, and the shuttering of the most common version of it, Google Analytics 3? Analytics 3 is also commonly referred to as universal analytics. It is oftentimes just simply referred to as Google Analytics. So frequently that's what it is that we say because that's the one that's used the most often at this point in time. But Google just recently had an announcement that came in, as you mentioned, where they are going to be shuttering it planned for June 30th of 2023. Everything moved over to Google Analytics for as of July 1st, 2023. So we are in the middle of going through this very large sea change, which is going to be taking place and excited about how it is that it's going to to change the nature of how the picture gets created. Yeah, this is represents Google shifting from hit-based tracking over to event-based tracking. And you might have also heard about going-ons in the EU around GDPR and Google Analytics there. What does all this mean? This means that we're very excited about this transition. Uh, I don't think you can overstate just how big and how important this is for um, a lot of people we work with. And for guys like Charles and I, you know, this is definitely going to consume a lot of our gray matter at the office. We have been playing in this Google Analytics 4 space for quite some time, and we're very excited about the new features and capabilities. You get in this new platform, and this new flavor, you get lots of great things out of the box that weren't available in previous versions. And we think people are going to find it to be a real value add as we do. So we're very excited and we're looking forward to help out as many people as we can with this transition. I have two questions for you quickly to follow up with what you just said. Can you explain a little bit about what you mean that it's shifting to event tracking? Can you just explain a little bit about what event tracking means and what that is? So I'll try and explain it based on you know what's there now and what's not going to be there in the future. So hit yeah. base, think about it as like page hits. So in the old... In the current one, Universal Analytics, there's this notion of bounce rate based off of page hit counts. And in the new one, there's only going to be event hits. It's only going to be if you do anything. That This notion of a page view is, is really going away. This notion of bounce is going away. It's only going to be globally understood interactions. And then, the, you know, you as an administrator of this will have the opportunity then to categorize, label, and define your events moving forward. So there should be no real gap in true tracking, but it's going to be a shift in understanding and a little bit of a shift in language. And I'm, I, I for one, am excited to see how this shakes up the understanding and really what this unlocks for people who use analytics today on their websites. Well, they should all be using analytics for their websites, right? Uh, they absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. <laughs>
Taylor, can you put it any better than that? Really, I don't think <laughs> The moral can. of both podcasts, everybody with the website should be using analytics. <laughs> <laughs> like I like your style, Taylor. We like your style. Thank you, Charles. So I think that's all the time we had for today. I just want to thank you both for joining me once again to discuss extraction, modeling, and syndication of your data. I really hope that our listeners learn some more about their data. And I know I did. So thank you both very much. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you. Have a great day. And I just want to remind all of our listeners that if you're not sure where your website's analytics stand, let AmericanEagle.com help you. Our analytics team, Simon and Charles, and another great guy named Paul, they're offering a paid audit where they'll take a deep dive into your website's analytics, including an analysis of compliance issues, an evaluation of data quality, and much more. You can find the link to learn more information about the audit, as well as fill out the form in this episode's show notes. Thank you for listening to Modern Marketing Messages. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you like this episode, follow this podcast wherever you listen to them to stay up to date with us. While you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Modern Marketing Messages. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm Taylor Karg, and I'll be back with another Modern Marketing Message.